She wished now she had opted for one of those new phones that displayed the caller's number on the screen. Her son Peter, who was addicted to technology, had been right. Such a feature would be useful for her as well as for Neil, whose patience often invaded his hard-earned privacy. Next week. She would get new phones for both of them next week, she thought, as she pressed the talk button, not bothering to disguise the irritation in her voice. Elaine Gordon, and I hope this call is important. Elaine. Neil's voice, oddly faint, quivered as he spoke her name. Elaine, I'm not feeling well. You'll have to pick me up at the office. She looked at her watch. Eleven o'clock. That hour would be emblazoned on her memory for all the weeks and months to come. She glanced absently at the unfinished glaze, meant to be a deep cobalt that she would not complete that morning, and would never again try to replicate. But Neil, don't you have a patient now? Later, the irrelevance of that question would haunt her. But as she asked it, it seemed quite reasonable. In all the years that he had been in practice, Neil had never canceled an analytic hour, and his eleven o'clocks were especially in demand. Women patients in the grip of depression, free-floating anxiety, distress, real or imagined, and Neil, sensitive psychoanalyst that he was considered both equally important, were partial to that hour, which, when completed, left them free to have lunch in the village, with hours to spare to think about the session before the onslaught of late afternoon family life. I can't see a patient. I have a headache. A terrible headache. His voice was weaker still. Responses flooded through her mind. Take two aspirin, lie down for a bit, open the window, maybe even go for a short walk. She knew at once that any such suggestion would be foolish, absurd. Neil had never before, throughout their long years of marriage, complained of a headache. He was stoic about discomfort. His hard-working parents had had no time to spare for illness, and he had clothed himself in their forbearance. He had never before asked Elaine to drive him home from his office. Always, even on the grimmest winter days, even when his arthritic knee caused him to limp, he had preferred the long walk from the town center to their home. This call, the desperation in his voice, meant that something was wrong, very wrong. I'll be there in a couple of minutes, she said, already unbuttoning her smock, surprised that her fingers trembled and that her heart was beating too rapidly. Hang in there, sweetness. Cease, kite. But he had hung up. Her endearment lingered in dead airspace. She rushed out of the studio then, pausing only to turn off her kiln and grab her soft, oversized leather purse. It was late autumn, and although an almost wintry chill tinged the air, she did not stop at the house for her coat. She drove down their rural road at a reckless speed and accelerated as she reached the village, screeching to a halt outside the small building where Neil's shingles swayed against the impact of a sudden wind. She had supposed that he would be waiting outside, but it was his secretary, pale, overweight Lizzie Simmons, who leaned against the front door, the spongy flesh of her face, gelled now into a quivering, anxious mask. Oh, Elaine, thank God. I wanted to call an ambulance, but he wanted to wait for you. I did call the hospital, though. Take him straight through to our emergency, they said. Her words tumbled over each other, her voice high-pitched. Lizzie, what are you talking about? 
He told me he had a headache. Just a headache. Elaine spat the words out as she raced into the building, furious with this woman who had a flair for the dramatic, a penchant for darkness. Lizzie lumbered in behind her, breathless, her voice almost a shriek now. More than a headache, he said. An explosion. His head was exploding, he said. Call the hospital, he said. But Elaine was no longer listening. She was in Neil's consulting room, kneeling beside her husband who lay on the leather couch, his hands pressed against his head. His fine-featured face was porcelain white. His agate blue eyes were bright with pain. Drops of perspiration beaded his high forehead, dampened the irrepressible lick of silver hair that fell across it. Neil, Neil, what is it? I'm not sure. That same quiver in his voice, that same faintness, as though he could barely give breath to the words that she had heard on the phone. A terrible pressure.